This episode of Toes on the Line is brought to you by Thorn. To receive 20% off any Thorn product, it's simple. Go to my Twitter or Instagram, shoot me a follow, regram or retweet the episode, send me a DM, and I'll send you a link. To the Toes Line Podcast. I'm Joe Grassi, and I'm bringing on good friend, former colleague, Joe Gilfeder for part two today. Uh, he's still out there in the office in the Bronx. I'm looking at a, is that an intern behind you or a, another coach behind this you? Is, this is Coach Joe. This is uh, Assistant Coach Joe. He was actually a four-year uh, tennis athlete of ours. Oh, snap. Uh, okay. Would never leave the weight room. Uh-huh. Uh, so we just figured we'd hire him. So he works with tennis. He works with football. He works with track and field now. He works with swimming and diving. So we we can't get rid of him as an athlete, as an intern, and now as a full time coach. Dude, those tennis kids out there, it's like uh, it's like a cult now. Them in the weight room. I remember that kid. What was his name Maka? Well, Ma- yeah, Maka's yeah. Uh, still local. He's in the in the in Brooklyn actually. Okay. And Maka and Joe used to compete so hard against each other. So it was great for me to coach them and watch them. But Joe just decided to – Joe, what was your undergrad in again? Uh, information systems. His undergrad was information systems. But this guy's a strength coach. So – Information you know, he got, systems. Yeah, he got his CSCS. He, you know – Got into grad school here as well in data analytics. So we're utilizing that uh, skill as well. And then he just loves strength and conditioning. So I'm always bouncing ideas off of him. I can just reach back here and hit him and, you know, say, Joe, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And um, the combination between him just being passionate about it and then knowing that Fordham culture, I Uh think – uh, has allowed him to be really, really good, and he's only 22 years old. No doubt. You, you talked a little bit about culture and um, or like setting like individualization and like foundations, like in your previous uh, New York State, New York State Clinic talk, or was it another one at Long Island that you said um, a while ago, Stony Brook? Both were very similar. So okay. both were how to individualize movement in a large group setting, essentially. And that was done primarily with our Olympic lifting progressions as well as our squatting progressions. And we wanted to make sure that we found the right progression that the athlete felt comfortable doing, whether it be in relation to their anthropometrics, their current mobility, their past injury history. And it could certainly change over time, but we wanted to find the variation that was going to accomplish the goal of what we were looking for, whether that be force production, rate of force production, mm-hmm. uh, power production, and stick to that variation so that the athlete felt comfortable that they can progress and not just progress to the end goal because that's the supposed end goal, but along that continuum, finding the variation that we can overload, the athlete feels competent in, comfortable in, confident with, and just continue to really hammer that thing home. But it takes us having a toolbox as far as coaches to find that right variation. Gotcha. Okay. So you're talking more like, Hey, if, uh, if you feel comfortable back squatting and it looks good, we're going to keep you here and then we'll progress you as needed uh, on a neat basis. Or 
or, or do you Absolutely. start? With, okay. I was going to say, or do you start with like, Hey, everyone's doing remedial and then we'll progress as we, we see fit for strength coaches. What, what looks good? Well, it's a combination of the two, but okay. with our developmental program, and we actually call our developmental program the standard. So the standard, we are I like them, that. Yeah, that's what the title of it, right? Okay. The standard. I'm and, stealing that. <laughs> go, go ahead. I probably <laughs> stole it from somebody else. But we start at a very basic level, like easy entry points. So we're talking about a heels elevated goblet squat. Mm -hmm. Most everybody can do, at least at the division one football level or division one level overall can do a heels elevated goblet squat. Okay. Our standard to graduate is taking 50% of your body weight. So if you weigh 200 pounds, you're grabbing a hundred pound dumbbell and you have to do 25 unbroken repetitions all the way down heels to your butt standing all the way up. Not only is it integrating that standard movement pattern that we're looking to establish with our knees out wide, our heels down, our chest up, vertical torso, driving up. It's also going to be a mental challenge. Okay, 25 reps of a bilateral squat with a heavy goblet, heavy dumbbell is going to be challenging. But uh -huh. if the athlete proves that they can do that, they have earned the right to go to our next variation. Our next variation in our squatting continuum is going to be a hands-free front squat. So we are teaching that front rack position. We are teaching that vertical torso. We'll typically utilize a tempo so that they really learn how to brace their quote-unquote core, keep everything in line, learn the range of motion, and then we'll progress weight. Once they've had you know, four to six sessions, of a hands-free front squat, like that zombie squat, then we'll transition to a standard clean grip front squat. And they've already been getting introduced to that because we utilize Olympic lifting variations. First the clean, then we'll build towards the snatch. But the combination of learning the front squat with the clean grip, getting integrated into learning the clean overall, it's a pretty seamless transition. And then as you know, I, I'm a huge fan of the front squat and we'll typically keep that as our priority, you know, prime bilateral squat variation for a long time. And if the athlete hones in on their foot position, their torso position, their range of motion over a consistent period, then we will build towards doing a, a back squat. But that can be a long process. And Sometimes the athlete will never get there. Sometimes the front squat will be their variation. Sometimes we'll have to mess around and see, okay, is a Hatfield squat our best variation? You know, mm -hmm. does our athlete need that hand support to feel a little bit more grounded and keep that vertical torso and allow the knees to track in line with the toes? We've also utilized the Zercher squat successfully for some athletes that just struggle with depth, they may have a little bit longer limbs. You kind of talk about the different anthropometrics that come into play and what variations are gonna help them. We have some athletes with extremely long arms, but struggle with mobility. So the deadlift becomes a bilateral variation that we utilize. We'll utilize a straight bar, we'll utilize a trap bar. And if it looks right, and the athlete feels good with it, 
it's something that we can overload and mm -hmm. it's accomplishing the goal that we're looking at. We're fine with that. Um, even though it's not the typical progression from goblet squat to front squat to back squat, like not everyone is going to be along the same path, but right. if we can choose the right tool, that's going to garner the results that we're looking for. I'm fine with that. As long as we can coach it effectively from a strength and conditioning staff. Okay. Just to go back to the kettlebell. So you said 25 unbroken reps is the, now unbroken. Do you mean like techniques not broken or is it just like nonstop down, up, down, up, down, up? I mean, technique isn't broken and they don't put the goblet down. So can't do 15 and then put it down and, and then, you know, do 10 more. It's got to be 25 reps. Now they can rest at the top. They can catch their breath because if you've done 25 reps of a 120 pound kettlebell, that's challenging. Yeah, so yeah. it is It is certainly a test, but it's a badge of honor for our guys to go through that. Even to just get that thing into the rack position, you got to be ready. That, no, that's not easy. So, <laughs> I stole it from Jim Wendler. Burner, man. Did you really? Okay. I, I stole it from Jim Wendler. He does a lot with his high school athletes. And I was like, okay, if these high school kids can do it, we better well be able to do it. So that's one of our, our standards in regards to graduating along our squat continuum okay i thought that would have been more of a uh what's his name yeses he's, he's the one by 20 guy well we'll do incorporate a little bit of one by 20 within our okay. developmental program because it keeps the overall you know intensity lower and they get to practice the movement for 20 repetitions but so i was uh influenced by dr michael yeses but i don't stick to his one by 20 program verbatim okay i i thought that's where you got the other uh, 25 rep thing from it becomes your own you, you find little ways to tweak it i know dr michael yes is he'll go one by 20 for a variety of different movements then he'll progress to two sets of 14 and then you know one set of eight that's how he'll kind of progress it or he might just do one set of 14 so he increases the intensity but obviously decreasing the volume yeah. and over time he'll build it to like two sets of eight but that's throughout a long-term athletic developmental program. And I have utilized that before, particularly with basketball at Dartmouth, but I've tweaked it a little bit to how we implement it within our standard developmental program. Uh, no doubt, man. I, I would say this. I was talking to one of my um, athletes a couple, uh, couple days ago, one of our receivers. He was asking me about um, – you know, stuff I took away from the Giants, you know, what, these pro players and stuff like what's like he was his question was, hey, what, what does Odell Beckham do? Like, what's he like? And I'm like, he masters his craft, the most basic stuff, like just lining up, coming out of your your breaks and whatnot, because, you know, players always complain, hey, coaches, we do the same stuff over and over. It gets repetitive. It's boring. You're, you're probably one of the be better strength coaches, if not the best strength coach at teaching kids how to master craft in the weight room. Um, so if, if you want to just take some time and talk about, you know, how you kind of sell because it's hard for us to sell the process of, hey, we're not back squatting yet. We have to front squat for a period of time. And then you might lose a kid's interest. But, uh, you know, I've worked with you, Gil, and I I've still see you from afar. Um, you guys are killing it. And it just looks like guys are mastering craft in the weight room. Um, just talk about I your process just, and how you've coached it. That's exactly what I aim to do. Yeah. And I feel like if I look at my program now, it's simpler than when I was a G.A., you know, programming because okay. you learn that it is about mastering those basics. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone is going to squat, push, pull, hinge, load to carry, do some core variation, but how are you going to do that? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
we need to do it with the highest standard possible. And if you're doing some fancy, you know, crazy gimmicky thing, it's it's harder to master that and really hone in on the technique if you're constantly changing things up, if you're constantly just making it extremely complicated for the athlete to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And there's a great quote, as you talked about Odell Beckham there, I was thinking about Kobe Bryant and somebody would watch Kobe do his skill skill work and was like, how are you the best basketball player on earth? You're doing all these basic drills. And he replied, I am the best basketball player on earth because I am doing these basic drills. Hmm. That was his response. And that has always stuck with me because Kobe Bryant has been one of my favorite athletes to follow for his mindset, his work ethic, let alone his talent and ability. But that's what I aim to to do inside of our weight room. We want to master our craft. And it just takes reps. And it just takes the culture. And it just takes the standard of Fordham Strength and Conditioning. Like, we are going to master every rep. We are going to make it a carbon copy. And I'm going to quote unquote, hold kids back until they earn the right to go to a more complicated variation. Mm-hmm. It's going to take two years for most of our athletes to do any type of velocity-based training with our gym aware or chains or bands to the bar. A co- uh, an athlete may never get to the back squat because they have not yet mastered the front squat. I will keep a kid on a goblet squat for a year or two if that's what he needs to get better and really earn the right to utilize a barbell. Mm-hmm. He's got to earn the right to do a barbell bench press. We don't allow any of our athletes anymore from a football perspective to do flat barbell bench press until they can do a chin up. So whether oh, you're snap. a three, I trust me, I was, they are not fans of me, but <laughs> we have some athletes who are over 300 pounds here who have not done a bench press in two years because they have not gotten their first chin up yet. Now, is that me not being a great strength coach, um, not getting them to their first chin up? Maybe. But I feel so strongly in trying to protect their shoulder girdle, their shoulder health, and stress the importance of relative body strength and controlling their body weight because that's what they are doing on the field. Mm-hmm. I feel so strongly about trying to keep these guys' shoulders healthy that I am not going to further exacerbate the internal rotation, the fascination with the bench press, you know, in the male football population that while the rest of the group who can do chin-ups, they bench press, those guys are going to be working on their chin-ups. They're going to be working on their external rotators. They're going to be working on their trap three raise. They're going to be working on all those things, you know, their core musculature that's going to allow them to get to their first chin up because those basic movements, a chin up, a squat, a push up, a correctly performed hinge, those things are, I want to be a master of the basics in regards to my coaching ability. I want to have those foundations so solidly planted that it's going to just set these guys up to be strong, to be durable, 
and then I could implement more complicated variations in the future. Okay. Have you like heard um, or like seen anything with your players' shoulders? Like have they talked about, hey, the shoulders feel better um, with less benching or what, what have you seen over time? It's very interesting. We've actually had less shoulder injuries. Our body composition is continuing to get better with okay. those individuals. And we had our lift for life event and I allowed those athletes to flat barbell bench. They went up. So I tested them when they came mm -hmm. uh, with bench press, got their number, did not bench press for months, over a year. Then they participated in our lift for life charity event in which we repped out 225 guys still had extremely impressive numbers that's, without benching. That they, that's crazy. Cause I told one of my kids a couple of weeks ago, he wants to get his bench up, do more, uh, do more eccentric chin-ups and whatnot. That's interesting. You can't shoot a cannon out of a canoe. You need that strong back. <laughs> yeah. You need those strong external rotators and we will get some dumbbell benching. We will get some overhead pressing. I'm not saying that they don't do any type of pressing, but we will not flat barbell bench. Mm -hmm. They'll do pressing from different angles, push-ups, dips, things like that. So it's not a complete neglect of pressing, but it is interesting to see working on all those other facets, not necessarily specializing in the flat barbell bench, bench press, and mm -hmm. it's still going up. Yeah. No, I, I, I See, I haven't tested any of my athletes. I don't bench press my swimmers. We overhead press more than anything, uh, well, you know, and then we when we do bench, it's more of like a reward system. Like, hey, we've been great. Swimming's been great. Let's, you know, we'll incline bench once this week. And the guys love it. The girls are like whatever about it. But uh -huh. um, I, I do find the overhead press being more of a king in my uh, toolbox. Now, I mean, deadlift for me is always number one sprinting. And then, you know, obviously you could say jumping and whatnot. But like shoulder press is elevated in my program, uh, programming more, more so than than uh, the bench press has. I would agree with you. I think the shoulder press is a superior exercise to the bench press, particularly when done standing. Mm -hmm. And I think those that have pain with overhead pressing, it's just something that they've neglected for so long so that their upper back, their posterior deltoids, and all those rotator cuff muscles are so disproportionately weak that that's where they get like these shoulder impingement issues. Mm -hmm. But if you correctly integrate overhead pressing from an early, you know, uh, training age perspective, I think it's much superior to flat benching. And you're only going to get stronger if you can overhead press a lot, the more horizontal you get. So it's only going to lead to a better incline press, a better flat bench, if you're strong in an overhead position. Mm -hmm. I, be, I have been doing dumbbells in uh, my C block with baseball guys just to, you know, buffer up, get some extra volume and whatnot, a little, little muscle builder there. Uh, less than my A blocks, though. Obviously, less, less more up there. But um, hey, Are you so utilizing what, more pulling variations in your A block with baseball? I do, yeah, I do pull-ups. I'm doing more pull-ups than chin-ups now with my guys. Um, huh. Just because just I felt like, you know, chin-ups guys were just handicapping themselves to the, the easier way to get up. Um. I just feel like we, we just need more rear delt strength and whatnot. Just upper backs is not where it should be. Um, you you doing anything anything new, anything innovative outside of the basics? I've definitely incorporated a little bit more open agility drills within our program, particularly okay. here in the summer. So 
we're going to do a little bit of, you know, our program speed work. But one of the things that it becomes more and more popular now on social media, and I've wanted to look into it, has been some of more of the open and reactionary drills. So whether it be some type of partner tag drill in an open box space where they have to like tag off on a hip and react mm-hmm. off of a cat and mouse, that's been something that I've wanted. Uh, uh, I've incorporated a little bit more. Um, you know, we utilized a lot of Tim Karen's concepts from strength deficit. So we'll do a lot of non-counter movement jumping with some of our in-the-box players, whereas we'll do a little bit more reactive and quick ground contact time plyometrics with our outside-the-box skill players. So that's been something that we've incorporated a little bit more. Very similar with our Olympic variations, too. We'll have our linebackers, linemen start from a dead stop, whether that be from a block or a pause position at the knee, or even all the way from the ground in a clean variation, whereas we'll utilize a little bit more hang variations with our skill position players, where they rely a little bit more on that stretch shortening cycle. This quick so touch. nothing crazy, but a little bit more open agility and reactionary speed, as well as position-specific plyometrics and Olympic lifting. But okay. outside of that, We've really just been trying to hammer home the basics. Um, and, and that's always going to be the foundation of what we're doing. Yeah, no, definitely, man. Definitely. But I, I have seen that. Did you start snatching guys? Yeah, we've snatched guys a while now. And that's actually one of our records on our board now. Really? Okay. And, when, I, when I was there, we never, like, I, I never snatched anyone when I was there. I tried and I was like, this is just, I just can't do it right now in this room. It's something that we've gotten progressively more comfortable coaching. Mm-hmm. I've done a few Olympic lifting seminars. Uh, Coach Joe, one of our assistants, and Coach Giorgio, they are pretty pretty good Olympic weightlifters themselves and pretty good at coaching it. And myself and Coach Greer and Coach Britt are getting better at it every single day. Some athletes actually are better at it. You know, we get a lot of guys who may have wrist issues, so that front rack position can be challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I figured if me as a division three athlete can learn the snatch at a decent level, these guys are much better athletes than I am. So we could teach them the snatch and they can be pretty competent in it. And you're actually going to develop a higher rate of force production with a snatch as opposed to a clean, you know, those mean and peak velocities are going to be higher. So it's a great tool for us to utilize as another Olympic variation, whether it be for an injury issue or another day in which we get one of those movements that's high power production. Okay, so so what record did you take off the board? We took RSI off the board. I fi- I, I figured you did. You, you guys just couldn't find a way to measure it. We have a way to measure it with the jump mat. It's just something that we were not universally doing with enough athletes. Gotcha. But we do have a lot of teams that utilize the snatch. Uh-huh. And I believe in the snatch. I think it's a, a great movement to include. It's just our jobs as coaches to coach it well. And if we can coach it well, I think it's an extremely valuable movement. No, no doubt. Hey, are, are, are any of my uh, volleyball girls still on the record board or no? They've been, they've been well, surpassed. It's over. Well, Giorgio's, Giorgio's volleyball girls now. 
Yeah, he's he's doing a great. He's training them right now, actually. Uh, okay. You know, this is their first day uh, here, and he's doing a great job with them. Well, Whitley Moody is one of our strongest uh, athletes, and she's got a few of the records. I think she's got. Yeah, she was she was tough. Front man. squat. She's got clean. Um. Yeah, they've they've got a good amount of records up there, man. They're they're good, and Coach Choi is a big big supporter of us. So uh, I know that's your boy. That's my dog, man. He 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 got a kid too. I saw on the Instagram. Yeah, he's uh, probably getting no sleep. But I actually just saw him running around here. Uh, they're going to Japan. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A trip. So they're here for a few days, and they're actually going to Japan. Guys I'm can't hide you- money. <laughs> I'm keeping Giorgio here. He doesn't get to go on the trip. Oh, but, damn. Uh, sucker. He's got a sucker, I, can't, I can't do it without him. I can't do it without him, man. I need him here. How long but are they going go to Japan for? I'm not sure, but uh, they're going to three different cities. They're going to Tokyo. They're going to Osaka. And then one more. Nice. Good for Yeah, they do that like every four or three years. I think they do those trips. I think they try and get it so that you know, throughout your time at Fordham, you get a you get big trip. One trip, yeah. You get that one big trip. I remember the girls saying it's like once every four years or something like that. And some girls might get a double. They're lucky enough. Get that fifth year. And then in the case of COVID, that sixth year, you might get two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, matter of fact, speaking of COVID, are you guys like out with uh, all the COVID kids or is this like the last year for you guys? I still have some kids that came in with me in 2018. I was yeah, just really. talking to Kit Cam Blair. I was just talking uh, with a few of these guys. I'm like, how are you still here? I'm going on year six. And they're like, well, I had this injury and then COVID. And I'm like, you should be coaching with me. I shouldn't yeah, right. be coaching you. <laughs> I'm like, you have your doctorate by now? You, know, you should be an MD. Yeah, we're, we're at the tail end. Uh, this is everyone with that COVID year. This is like their final year playing. So you got, yeah. guys should have been out last year. So this is their last year. But anyway. Back on track, man. So, Gil, the last time we spoke, you know, we weren't doing any, like, big things like speaking engagements and whatnot. You know, now we, we kind of both are. Uh, you're ahead of me more. You've done more. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, professional development, um, you know, how you've built that motivation and just, you know, development within you yourself to say, hey, um, I was an assistant, then I became a head. And, you know, now you run the, you know, uh, two, you run both departments, right? The sports med and strength conditioning, you oversee both. Technically, yes. Uh, it's definitely a, a group collaborative effort. You know, Aaron Cameron okay. is is great with that. But we work a lot closer with them than we did in years past, which is great. It's great for our student athletes. Okay, my, my I might have botched it then. I don't know how how I just worded it, but okay. Um, and then now you're you know you're doing speaking engagements. Talk a little about your professional development um, throughout your career and kind of where you're at now and how what you've done to get there um, and how you motivated yourself. Well, just very, very similar to you and a a lot of, luckily, our colleagues were just extremely self-motivated to learn. You know, I make it a point every single day to wake up early and learn something. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do some type of reading. I'm going to do some type of continuing education. And I think when you just put in those reps and you put in those hours, you start to just hone in on your craft. And that's really what I'm hoping to do. And... I think people notice that amongst myself, yourself, and others that when you're passionate about learning, when you're passionate about getting better, you're passionate about coaching and helping others, you're going to get those opportunities to network and speak 
and share some of the thing, you know, good things that you're doing. So I've been lucky enough to speak uh, at Stony Brook. I've been lucky enough to speak at the New York State Clinic held up at Ithaca College this past spring and share some things that have been working for us here at Fordham, one of which being the individualization uh, in a large group setting in regards to our squatting, our pressing, our Olympic movements, and looking at all the different factors that go into that individualization. That's been something that I've been very, very passionate about. And I think people misunderstand individualization and they think of it in regards to the sport. Whereas I try to individualize things more towards the individual, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, are strong legs important for a football player? Yes. Are strong legs important for a swimmer? Yes. What's the exercise that is going to increase leg strength the most? Most. It's probably going to be some type of bilateral squat variation. But the way in which we, you know, on that continuum, what bilateral squat variation is going to be the best for that person? And it might be very different for a 6'5 football player versus a 5'6 swimmer and diver. So we need to use the right tool for the right person at the right time. Uh, speaking has been something that I've I've really enjoyed, and it's been a, a big challenge for me. Public speaking is actually one of my biggest fears. And I remember hmm. public speaking in college. Every time I had to do it in a class, my palms would get really sweaty you know, very, very sweaty. And I feel like my voice would crack. Very, very difficult for me. The reps over time, getting in front of a large group and speaking helped a ton. I don't get sweaty palms anymore, thankfully. Same thing (laughs) with public speaking in regards to a clinic. Um, I think the reps have allowed me to get better at it. And even though it's an uncomfortable situation to get in front of a hundred of your peers who you really have great respect for, mm-hmm. I get better at every single time. I want to speak more. I want to do more podcasts. I want to get out there more and really refine my technique. I find that it's a learning experience every single time I get on a podcast, every single time that I'm able to speak. And hopefully people will keep having me back on both for a long time. I've got to get you on a uh, national stage next they would, and maybe I'll speak it into fruition right now. I went to Summer Strong this past uh, year. Uh-huh. I would love for one day to speak at Summer Strong because when I walked in there down in Lexington, South Carolina, the energy was unbelievable. The, the strength history and the fact that people were so passionate about strength and conditioning all in one spot, it was a amazing weekend but i will speak on any podcast i will speak at any conference i will not say no but i'm going to speak it into fruition now i i would love to be able to speak at summer strong one day because it was an amazing event i've, I've never been but i've only heard great things like same thing you just said like high energy um another good friend of mine christina bernal she went she goes every year um i don't know if you guys networked or met down there uh this past yeah. year but um what like what are some topics they talk about? Like same general, like strength conditioning topics you hear at like a CSCCA or NSCA conference. It's been a while since I've been to the NSCA conference, and I've never actually gone to the CSCCA. But Stan Efferding spoke about 
health, wellness, nutrition. He was great. Ben Patrick, the the knees over toes guy, gave a mm-hmm. great uh, presentation on knee and back health. Corliss Fingers from Bethune Cookman talked about all of her experiences as a strength and conditioning coach. Scott Sinclair from University of Georgia football. So you're seeing a guy who's the leader of the team from the last two national championships. Mm-hmm. Um, there are countless great presentations. Michael Easter, who wrote The Comfort Crisis, um, great book that I've read and enjoyed and will certainly read again. It was it was awesome, but just the energy in the room, like everyone is just so passionate about strength and conditioning. It's like Disneyland for meatheads, and I'm a meathead <laughs> at heart. You know, so it, it's it's very rare that someone who you know myself, I I, I call myself a meathead. Um, you know, you get a thousand meatheads together that they can just kind of talk share ideas, network, have a meal together, have a beer together, mm-hmm. those type of things. Those are rare opportunities. Yeah, and yeah. to be amongst like-minded people like that, it's awesome. You know, that's why you and I have gotten along for so long. And I'll just even send you some some BS through Instagram or a message because, <laughs> you know, you get around like-minded people. You can, you, It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's a rare thing, particularly in our field. I feel, I feel like I won't fit in that summer strong man. I'm a little skinny dude. You, got you these, will, dude. I see. I see videos of my all these dudes are pulling some weight down there. <laughs> summer strong man. Well, guess what? We've got a whole summer to get stronger. So let's get to it, man. Oh my, I've been slacking. I'm not even gonna lie to you, man. <laughs> let's get going right now. <laughs> what um? So you mentioned that uh, comfort zone book. What, what was it called again? The Comfort Crisis by comfort Michael Crisis. Easter, okay. and he talks about. Uh, he calls it a masogi, and a masogi is a very, very difficult pass, a uh, difficult, difficult challenge, and you have a fifty percent chance of being successful, a fifty percent chance of being unsuccessful. But make sure you don't die. That is the mm. goal of the masogi. Oh, so man. choose something that you may fail, but if you do accomplish it, it's going to be a great accomplishment because it was very uncomfortable. It was very challenging. It stretched your limits. Just make sure you don't die. So that's kind of what the Masogi is. And I, th- I believe is he was up in Alaska, you know, on this hunting trip and extremely challenging, extremely brittle, uh, you know, brutal weather conditions. But because you go through something so uncomfortable, now when you come back to the comfortable lives that we're all so fortunate to have, you were that much more appreciative. Okay. Okay. What, uh, hold on. What, what was the guy's name again? Author? Michael Easter. Mike Easter. Okay. I'm, I got to look into that book. Cause I'm, I'm trying to read more trying to, I, I'll be honest, man. I haven't read like a strength book in months, maybe years, but I've been trying to read more leadership books and books like that. This is kind well, of, I can tell you what, I'm going to put you on the spot. So our staff book right now, this goes for anybody who's watching. It's tough by Greg Everett. Tough. So okay, he's 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 the one who actually is in charge of Catalyst Athletics, that has been kind of known for strength and conditioning in regards to Olympic weightlifting. Mm-hmm. But we're that's I'm a big book, about, man. It's only about two hundred and fifty pages. It's not bad. 
Oh, it looks like a 400-page book. No, no, 255 oh, okay. pages. Okay, yeah, 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 okay. But I'm about 40 pages in. This is our staff book for the first half of summer. Second half, we're going to do, do a different book. But, hey, jump on this one. Uh, so far, so good. I'd invite anyone to join the Fordham, the Fordham Barbell Book Club. Barbell Book Club, I like it. Before, okay. Or the Strength Strength City Book Club. I don't no one take my idea, but uh, no, it's all copywritten it. on on recording here. It's all it's all patented. Yeah, I got it. the Fordham I'm, Barbell Book Club. I'm reading. Uh, we don't do staff reading, unfortunately. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. But um, outside, of, I've just been reading a ton of research. But I have been reading. Uh, you're gonna laugh at the second book. The first book, uh, the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Great um, book. great book. I'm just trying to be a better leader every day because. You know, talking with Ted Rath months ago, he was like, hey, we're a leader amongst men and we got to lead men. I'm like, you're right. So I'm not a coach. I'm a leader. So I got to be able to lead these men into young men into, you know, better lives, better ways of living. But the second book uh, or series of books I'm trying to finish reading is The Lord of the Rings. (laughs) You know what? I think there's a lot of value in reading fiction. Yeah. And I love Lord of the Rings, man. I do not read fiction enough. So I should probably get out of my comfort zone and, and read that. Now, I don't know if I'm going to read about hobbits, but maybe I'm going <laughs> to uh, venture out into my next book into some type of fiction. I'm out here reading about hobbits, goblins, and elves, man. I, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I don't know if, if you are or if you watch the movies, but I was like, you know what? I said I got to read the books because I've heard they're better and they're different. That's that's kind of like my nighttime read when I'm just winding down. It, it's good to read stories like that, particularly when you're trying to wind down. I think those are are great before bed books. If nothing else, they kind of relax you a little bit and you get your sleep in, man. Yeah, nah, no doubt, man. You're um, not reading no research or just straight books? I tend more towards the research and obviously I'm keeping up to date on stuff that I see in social media, but uh, whether that be good or bad. Um no, I, I don't read studies as much. Is that what you're doing? You're really looking into the studies that are being published? Like th- or this old whole, school research? No, no, no. Like like studies that are being published like these last couple of years. Um, just I'm, I'm just trying to master up, you know, this whole GPS stuff. And, you know, how do I marry that with force plates? So that's just like stuff I'm just trying to cross correlate and compare. And that's just my interest with research in the morning. I, I'll read that stuff first stuff in the morning. And then that's great. I haven't done. I've had more trouble just reading research studies as much as I am really good with reading books uh-huh. um, and then trying to kill as many audible books and podcasts as I can, you know, with my commute. But uh, that's something I should get into because that's a great skill to have. And particularly sports science is going to be more and more emerging in part of our field uh, over time. That thing is is really going to change the game. So it's great that you're, immersing yourself in that no I'll, I'll tell you some stuff when we stop recording because i don't want to i don't want to put put what i'm trying to uh unravel here on record that's that's in-house information the secret <laughs> stuff no doubt I, I don't want to play mammoth now you got the secret sauce no 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 i don't no, listen that, that stuff doesn't win or lose football games <laughs> just make sure we get guys healthy on saturday that's it but um, it's huge, man. Hey, listen, I I loved getting you back on here. You know, picking your brain on you know stuff you've been talking about, stuff you've been working on, mastering craft, uh, just your whole uh culture that you guys have in the uh the weight room there. What is it called? Um, God, Steve was telling me a couple weeks ago. Um, not a brotherhood. What it is? is it, um, the rambling. 
No, not the Ramley. No, no, no. Uh, shoot. What's process. No, no, not a process. Oh, my God. What is the word? I can't even think of it right now. Uh-huh. Anyway, just your whole the whole culture that you guys got going on. Ah, fuck. What's the word? It's pissing me off. Oh, it's not a cult. Uh-huh. It's not a cult. What is it? Like a following. The mafia. No, not the mafia. I wish it was the Bronx mafia. That's a good one right there. <laughs> yeah, man. The mafia, man. We're right here by Arthur Ave. Bro- yeah, matter of fact, speaking of the Bronx and the mafia, do you guys uh, still do the Bronx curl? I still have people that reference that to me to, to this day. You talking about just Nordic curls? Well, I mean, we did Nordic curls yesterday, man. Three the, by five. The single leg Nordic, the Bronx curl. Oh, yeah. We haven't done any single leg Nordics, but <laughs> we as a staff, we did Nordic curls. The athletes did Nordic curls yesterday. Giorgio is actually extremely impressive. He was doing pause reps on the ground himself. So a coach himself pausing on the ground, blasting up. So he's ready to run a 4-4-40. So he started lifting again? Last yeah, time, he, like, his knee was bummed out, right? Wasn't it like ACL sprain or something like that? Well, he, he's he's doing more and more jujitsu, and he's really good. He's actually competing very soon, and he, he's going to do a, a great job. But uh, I think the jujitsu can be – he can beat you up a little bit. But, no, he's training hard, man. He's strong as an ox. Yeah. You still fighting jujitsu, mixed martial arts, all that stuff? I'm doing the Muay Thai and enjoying okay. the striking. And it's it's something that I wish I had done earlier, but I'm going to do some type of mixed martial art until the day I die, man. I think it's so good to have that as a anchor in my life. And I, I think it's great for me to get coached because mm-hmm. now I'm more empathetic to the athletes. I'm more understanding of the athletes and how they're feeling because I'm still treating myself as an athlete because it's different if I'm just exercising on my own or even with the staff. Um, But for me to get coached by someone, Mm -hmm. I think it it makes me a better coach. But trying to keep up with a lot of boxing more than you watch UFC or no. I keep up with it. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm not into that as much as boxing, but um, I just never got into it, man. Never got into it. It's, it's so impressive, you know, particularly mixed martial arts where they, they've they got such varying skills. Like Giorgio does a lot of the ground jujitsu work. I do a little bit more of the striking work. It's amazing that these guys are able to meld the two and then be good wrestlers and maybe have a judo background. It's unbelievable. It truly is an art that these guys are able to combine and master all while someone's trying all while someone is trying to take your head off. It's crazy. Uh-huh. I would love to see you and Giorgio go at it one day, man. I don't I, want any I, part of Giorgio. No, no, don't say that. I would put no don't 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 get that guy kudos, man. I would pay admission price like right at the door <laughs> to come watch you guys go at it, man. Well, hopefully it never comes to that. You know, I value my job, so <laughs> <laughs> Good we don't stuff. need HR getting into it because the strength coaches uh, started brawling. No, no, no. You'll fight right over there at the gym. Yeah, keep it under wraps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody got to know. If they, if they, if they want to know, they come pay pay ticket prices. That's all. Exactly. That might be a good fundraiser for Fordham Athletics. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we'll raise some money, man. That's not the way to raise money, but I see what you're saying. But yeah. hey, Gil, man, I appreciate you getting on, man. This is good stuff, and uh, definitely gonna do a part three at some point, maybe post football season to see how the shoulders end up with the uh, the no benching. Because I, I would agree that that is probably a, a great way to mitigate shoulder pain. Um, 
impingement, whatever you want, you know, stuff that guys go through with, with it on a yearly basis with shoulder issues. So we'll, de we'll definitely catch up on that stuff. Yeah, man. I, I love jumping on with you, man. So anytime, Hey man, thank you for having me on, man. Uh, anytime. Uh, I got to get down to you, man. I, you know what? You should put me to work. I would just want to just uh, garden for you. I could be your gardener, man. I want to get in there and just give me like a tomato or two. I'll That'd tell you what, payment. dude, hold on. Before we get off, I, sh I should have, I should have called you when I was digging out uh, the other section of my yard to, you know, fill out more of the, um, it's, it's like I dug out like eight more yards of like garden space. I'll drive out and I'll help you this weekend. Dude, it, it took me, I swear to God, I swear to God, it took me 10 hours between two days. Oh. 10 hours between two days because I had to stop at five because my back was giving out. Just like just give me a couple tomatoes. I just need like three tomatoes. I'll put in a good eight hours of work. Three I'll tomatoes. Probably, I'll probably get you down here in August whenever you got an off day during camp to come help me make tomato sauce. I'll give you a couple bottles. <laughs> I need to get that Gio Grassi family recipe. Yeah. yeah, man. Very simple. Very simple. Tomatoes and basil. That's it. <laughs> I would love it, man. That's but I, I don't have any garden space here in the Bronx. So uh, if I can get a little bit of, uh, get my hands dirty, that'd be fun. Next year. I'll definitely get you down here in May next year, man. <laughs>